Well, good morning, everyone. How are we? Are you ready? Okay, I'll dive, I'll dive straight in. Do you know what? As Christians, we have been taught that Jesus set us free. Do you know what? That really is good news, isn't it? However, I'm convinced that the reality is that very few people actually live in the fullness of that freedom. For many people, there are still inhibiting chains that bind them or insidious fears that, that torment them. We sang earlier the, the song uh, Rescuer by Ren Collective, and you, I'm sure, will have noticed the, the words of the bridge, which go like this. So come and be chainless. Come and be fearless. Come to the foot of Calvary, for there is redemption for every affliction here at the foot of Calvary. Do you know what? As we sung that a couple of months ago, a sort of thought jumped into my head. Do you know, one, or wonder what it could be like to be chainless and to be fearless? Could we really live chainless and fearless? Uh, John 8, 32, Jesus said, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Verse 36, So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Luke 4, 18, we've already sung this, actually. This is the Passion Translation. Jesus' mandate, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, and to preach to prisoners, you are set free. So that is God's will for you. That, that is God's heart for you. And that explains, at least to an extent, God's work in you. Galatians 5 verse 1, again the passage translation. Let me be clear, the anointed one has set us free. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. Do you know what? My, my pastoral bones long for you guys to be chainless and fearless. Every now and again, every couple of years, I like to preach a series on freedom. As I said, we sung that bridge and something just grabbed me, chainless and fearless. Many of you at the moment are doing that, that freedom in Christ course and working your way through that journey, and that's, that's really what I want to do over the next few weeks. So here's a compelling question for you. I'll ask this question. What could God do in you, and what could God do through you, if you had no chains and no fears? Do you know what? It's, it's our chains and our fears that hold us back. It's what holds us back from our purpose, it holds us back from our destiny. It's our chains and fears that resist God's good work in our hearts, that, that keep us from all that God has for us. It's our chains and fears that, that have this annoying habit of train wrecking our relationships. It's our chains and fears that, that rob us of our, of our peace and joy, that rob us of our faith and our hope, 
So I'm going to spend six weeks working my way through six of, of what I think are the most common chains and fears that people struggle under. Here's the list behind me. Today we're going to do crushed by comparison. We're going to do squished by stress. I'm not sure if squished is a word, but it is now. We're going to do hiding like a hedgehog. We're going to do rules by rejection. So you're looking forward to this already, I can tell. We're going to do dampened by disappointment. And then we're going to do paralysis by analysis. Now we can chuckle to ourselves, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, but I wonder if any of you can immediately see yourself in any of those. Let me tell you, let me tell you this morning about crushed Craig. That's crushed Craig. Okay, Craig is crushed. You can see it in his sagging shoulders. There's a deadness in his eyes. You see, in his own mind, Craig never measures up. Nothing he ever does is good enough. Everyone else is always so much better. Craig compares himself to his siblings. They've been way more successful. Craig compares himself to his friends. They they seem so much happier. They live in bigger houses, drive faster cars, draw larger salaries. Craig compares himself to his churchmates. They look holier, they ooze confidence, they say all the right things. Craig just about holds it together, but you can see it in his eyes. He carries it on his shoulders. It doesn't help that Craig is a perfectionist. He jokingly calls it mild OCD, but if he doesn't score 100%, he instinctively beats himself up. It's uncanny how he fails to appreciate the things he does really well, but magnifies beyond belief anything and everything he gets even slightly wrong. Worst of all, Craig is convinced the Lord is disappointed in him. Sure, his church attendance is faithful, but but while he continues to go through the motions, there's no longer any spark or, or spring in his step. Whenever the preacher highlights a flaw, he has it in spades. He goes to connect group, but but sure they wouldn't miss him if he wasn't there. He doesn't volunteer anymore because what meaningful contribution could he make? To be honest, Craig feels crushed, inadequate, worthless, and unloved. It's no more than I deserve, he thinks to himself. Oh well. Sorry, I should have had a bunch of uh, tissue boxes ready to pass down the line. If this was a Hollywood movie, you'd all be weeping for crushed Craig by now. And obviously, I've used a little creative license there to create a reasonably bleak and, and perhaps exaggerated picture. But the reality is that all of us are comparing all of the time and not usually favorably. You know, I was a a decent young cricketer back in the day at school, and then a young man called Ali Brown appeared. Scored 100 every week, ended up playing for England. I I was quite good at maths, but then in sixth form, Prabhran Rajendra, if I can say his name, arrived from somewhere from the Far East and scored 100% every week. 
you know, I, I really enjoy playing piano in the worship team. But on the other weeks, it's poor. <laughs> we, do, we do sound check, if you've ever been in the worship team. Uh, and the guys at the back say, okay, I just want to get the levels right and get it all nice and blended. So, so I'm standing on my whatever instrument I am. And Mary picks up her violin. Mary is an outstanding violin player. And it sings and it hums and it, you know, it soars. And then Paul does his little piano sound check and plays about 20. I don't know how, how many hands has he got? <laughs> anyway, far more than me. And then I, I'm on my bass and I plink out a few notes. And, you know, I just feel thoroughly inadequate, really. <laughs> don't feel sorry for me. You know, I, I preach my heart out every week. And then on podcasts, I listen to Michael Todd. Anyone listen to Michael Todd or, or Craig Rochelle? Or I listen to my brother? You know, comparison is an easy trap to fall into. All of those people out there with those shiny social media profiles. And of course, in, in the back of all of our minds, we have those failures and those, those disappointments and those unfulfilled dreams that, that skew our personal measurement. And then how could we ever measure up to Jesus? So, on that happy note, what are the chains and the fears that we're dealing with here? I'm well aware of the fact this is week one. I'm going to work my way through um, over six weeks. It's kind of unfolding some of this stuff. But just, just to begin with, what are the chains and the fears that we're dealing with here? And then we'll have a quick look at where they come from. And then we'll look at some solutions for Crushed Craig in a minute. So, so four chains for you. The first one is is the chain of inferiority, that inferiority complex, that, that sense of inadequacy, that lack of self-worth. It's epidemic. You know, if, if in your eyes everyone else is better, you'll always place yourself at the bottom of the pile. And to counter that, the more you try to seek attention and, and approval, the more vulnerable you become to further Rejection. And if you're always comparing, the tendency is only to feel good when you're winning or you're outperforming others. Chain number two is the chain of disappointment. If in your, if in your eyes you never win, what does that make you? A loser. And because you, you magnify your weaknesses and, and minimize your strengths, those failures take on an exaggerated status. And so you live under a cloud of disappointment. D- disappointment moves into your heart with its poisonous siblings of, of shame and guilt and condemnation. If your tendency is, is only to hear criticisms and to reject compliments, that, that, that oversensitivity, that, that, that over-fertile imagination, negative imagination, only fuels further disappointment. Ends up becoming a chain that holds you back. Third chain of four is a lack of confidence. Do you know the devil is after, above all, your confidence. 
And his strategy is to chip, chip, chip away at that confidence until you retreat, until you hide, and until you quit. So why do you do that? Because, because if he can do that, he can keep you from your calling. And then you cease to be a threat to him. You know, the enemy thrives on low self-esteem. He thrives on poor self-image at one end, and at the other end, things like self-loathing and self-harm that we see escalating. Fourth chain, related to all of these, is the chain of legalism. You know, if it becomes all about performance, especially in comparison to everyone else, it's very easy to lose sight of grace. You know, laws and rules are, are, are easy to hide behind and they're great for justifying behaviours. And So without realising it, you, you can create a whole bunch of laws and conditions and, that, and, and expectations that you then yourself fail to keep. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Legalism produces ugly fruit. So those are some of the chains. What about, quickly, about some of the fears? First one is the fear of failure. If I fail, it hurts. And who wants to hurt, right? Rebed Roth surely then retreating or, or avoiding or, or just plain quitting. And if you struggle and suffer with, with the fear of failure, you, you become timid, you become risk-averse, and you become introverted. Another fear is the, is the fear of rejection, which says, if I don't measure up, they'll reject me. So, so approval addiction, which is, which is the need to please everyone all the time, is a really tough place to live. And if you're desperate to avoid the pain of disapproval, Confrontation becomes impossible. And if you won't confront, you'll probably find yourself being controlled and manipulated. And, with, and, and that withdrawing tends to accelerate the very rejection you feared in the first place. And the third and final fear is the just plain anxiety. Will I measure up? What are they going to think about me? What am I going to get wrong next? Who am I letting down now? And so your heads are spin, wondering who you've rejected, who you've offended, and why. And so the, so the spiral spirals ever downwards. Where, where do those chains and those fears come from? And as I said, I'll probably unfold some of this over the next few weeks. Firstly, they come from the lies of the enemy. Secondly, they come from, from our own wounded and unrenewed soul. I'll explain these briefly in a second. And thirdly, they come from, from a lack of understanding of gospel grace. Number one, let's talk for a second about the, the lies of the enemy. We know, don't we, Jesus taught us clearly that he is a thief 
and that he's a liar. In fact, he's the father of lies that lies his nature. That's what he does and that's how he operates. We also understand that Jesus' victory on the cross set us gloriously free. That in that triumphant moment, Jesus broke the chains that bind us. It's a very strong imagery. We see it with the Hebrews coming out of Israel into the promised land. We see it around and about the cross. The imagery is that before we were slaves, but now we've been set free. So Ephesians 1 verse 7 says that Jesus purchased, or so God purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. He's purchased our freedom. Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Goes on to say, stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. See, the enemy is very good at convincing you that you're still a slave. He's very good at convincing you that you're still captive. He's very good at convincing you that you're still bound. And the enemy constantly lies to you. Lies like this. I'm sorry. You're just not good enough for Jesus. There's always an element of truth in the enemy's lies. You're, you're, You're unworthy of his grace. You know, they get it just just because they're better than you. You've you've disqualified yourself from God's special love. You know, God's promises are conditional. You just haven't met your side of the bargain. And if you buy into those subtle, twisted, distorted lies, and the chances are you've been lied to for decades... They become just as effective in your own mind as real chains and real fears. Do you know, the enemy has no legal right whatsoever to keep you bound because Jesus has set you free. But he's very, very good at convincing you that you still are. I have, I have in my head the picture of, of holographic chains. Your idea, you're familiar with what the idea of a hologram is. It's not real. It's kind of a, 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 a fancy um, visual representative. It, you know, in, in the futuristic world, a hologram looks just as real as a real thing. But if, you know, if you've watched Star Wars, you know that you poke the, the thing and your hand goes right through because although it looks like the real thing, actually it's not the real thing. And in, in, in my mind's eyes, this helps me understand it, that the chains that the enemy tries to convince you that you're in are holographic. They, they look real. You know, they, they, they sound real. They have the same kind of effect, but actually, they're not there. And if only we realized it, we could simply go like this and throw them away and throw them aside. We know the danger is we become so familiar with our chains that we end up living with them anyway. They kind of move on in and we accept them. Some people, you know, even find solace in their chains because it gives them an excuse for some of their behaviours. And yet we have John 8, 32, which says, And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
And my desire and God's heart for you is to be chainless and to be fearless. So the first place that those chains of fears come from is the lies of the enemy. The second one I'm going to call our, our unrenewed soul. You know, glorious things happen when you're saved. Glorious things. But baggage remains that needs to be processed. There are still in your soul, perhaps deep, dark in your soul, there are still wounds that need to be healed. There's still thinking that needs to be renewed. There are still habits that need to be broken. Ephesians 4 verse 21 says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Verse 24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You know, when I read this passage, it teaches me that there is a corruption in the old and it needs to be thrown off. That There's righteousness and holiness in the new, but it needs to be put on. And that happens as we allow the Holy Spirit to renew our thoughts and attitudes. And we're going to work our way through some of that over the next few weeks. The third one is a lack of understanding of gospel grace. There are many definitions of grace. Unmerited favour is one that's often quoted. Here's a slightly fuller definition of grace. Grace, grace is, is an imparted power and ability to do in God's strength what we would ordinarily struggle to do in our own. Or we could put it like this. Grace is a God-given strength that enables you to do in his power what his word demands. You know, if we don't understand that that grace is God-given, that grace is freely given, that grace is unmerited favour, then the danger is that we convince ourselves that we have to strive and struggle to earn that grace. Well, that's upside down. We, 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 don't, we don't do it so we can receive grace. We have grace, and so now we can do it. It's the other way around. Huge philosophical mindset difference. Do you know, and it comes, comes the key, I think, we don't get anything from God through good performance. We don't get anything from God through being any better than the next pun. We get things from God because he loves us and we are his. That's the gospel. And that's great. It's not about how good I am. but It's all about how good he is. God, you should all sigh a huge sigh of relief at that point. So, given all those fears and those chains, and given where they come from, for today, in the limited time that I have, let me give you a freedom key. 
How are we going to change crushed Craig's life? And here's my freedom key. It goes like this. Let the love of God frame your identity, not the lies of the enemy. Shall I say that again? Let the love of God be the thing that is framing your identity, not those lies that come from the enemy. Now, of those two, one produces faith and the other produces fear. One sets you free and the other one binds you up. One is currently sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. The other one is going to spend eternity bound in unbreakable chains. The question is, which of those two are you going to bow down to? You know, peace and joy. Who could do a little bit more peace and joy in that life? But you all could. Peace and joy are to be found not in proving yourself in comparison to everyone else, but in letting the love of God fill your hearts. Sounds, sounds really simplistic. Well, do you know what it is? Simple. Here's what God would say to crushed Craig today. He would say, number one, I made you unique and I did a great job. If I had time, we'd do scripture and verse for these. We don't. He'd say this, number two, my love for you is complete and perfect. And he'd say, number three, he would say, you are not yet perfect. And that's okay. It's okay. Let the love of God frame your identity, not the lies of the enemy. You know, breakthrough comes from three places. Number one, knowing and accepting and receiving and experiencing and walking in how much Jesus loves you. Breakthrough comes, number two, from knowing and walking in who we are in Christ. And breakthrough comes, number three, in coming to terms with our own strengths and weaknesses. And recognizing that God is at work in all of our hearts and is very, very good at it. That's a freedom key right there. We'll talk about those three very quickly. Number one, his love. A key, key, key revelation, of course, is knowing how much God loves you. Now, once you understand that God's love for you is perfect and that it's unconditional, and that it's readily available. Once you understand that, there ceases to be any need to work to earn it, which can be exhausting and soul-destroying. And once you understand that, that there's no need to hide from him because you feel inadequate, we're all inadequate. That's, that's the point of the gospel. So Paul taught This prayer to the Ephesians said, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should. My dramatic pauses are intentional, okay, in case you're not spotting that. As all God's people should. May you have the power to understand how wide and how long and how high 
and how deep his love is. Now that's bad stuff, that, because there's four. There's supposed to be three points. And God gives you four dimensions. Okay, so I suggest he's trying to make a point of the magnitude of his love. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. I wish everyone would experience that. It wouldn't just be a, something they read in a book or, or a distant, forgotten memory or something they've seen in someone else and longed for. May you experience for yourself the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you'll be made complete, you'll be made whole, you'll be without chain, you'll be without fear, with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You know, wholeness is to be found in understanding and experiencing the magnitude of the love of God. Let the love of God frame your identity, not the lies of the enemy. Second part part of this is knowing who we are in Christ. As I said, we will unfold more of this as the weeks go on. You know, knowing who we are in Christ liberates us from the constant need to impress everybody else. Let me for a second remind you of who you are in Christ in case you've forgotten this week. You are, say I am, thank you. You are loved, you are chosen, you are accepted. You have been redeemed, you are righteous and holy and worthy. You have been adopted into his family, you are sons and daughters of the king, you are co-heirs with Christ. You are on the victory side. You are more than a conqueror. You are filled with the Spirit and flooded with life. That, folks, is who you are. You don't need to prove to everyone else that you are all of those things. You are all of those things positionally in Christ Jesus because of who he is, because of his gospel grace. And as I've already said, you you are not all those things because of how good you are because of how good he is. So you don't need to keep going around trying to prove to everyone how good you are. Don't worry, they're too busy trying to be worried about, concerned about how good they are to worry about how good you are. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus. He really is good. Let's be planted on that. Here's a statement. If, and if's a big word, they only have two letters. If you can truly see yourself as God sees you, Everything changes. Everything changes. And the third one is coming to terms with our personal strengths and weaknesses. Here comes a shock revelation. Are you ready? Hang on to your seats, folks. We all have flaws and weaknesses and eccentricities. We all do. Everyone else has and you willingly accept theirs most of the time. Now, all, all of the biblical heroes, apart from one, his name is Jesus, all of the biblical heroes, Old Testament and New Testament, were deeply flawed. 
I remember sitting in my office in Collingwood, Gishev Rose saying to me, isn't it reassuring that God only used rogues and scoundrels? I was mildly offended, but there we go. I'll let you pick which of those two I am. And you yourself, of course. We've got to come to terms with, get a balanced view of our strengths and weaknesses. Because we've all got them. You know, naturally, we want to please God. Naturally, we want to get it right. Naturally, we want to do a good job. But... Once we accept that's a function of grace rather than our own wonderfulness, we will sleep much, 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 much better. Let let the love of God frame your identity, not the lies of the enemy. Peace and joy are to be found, not in proving yourself in comparison to everyone else, but in letting the love of God fill your heart. So how different would crushed Craig's life look once he's secure in Christ? Once he's he's confident in God's love? Once he's let go of the need to compete and is walking in grace? I think crushed Craig, uncrushed Craig, would look something like this. Craig has given up competing. He recognised that there are people more gifted than him who are doing things he'd love to be doing, and good for them. To uncrushed Craig, we're all created unique, diverse, and loved. They have their purpose, and he has his. He's glad his friends have done well. He hopes their stuff brings them happiness. But he's learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, because Christ is his sufficiency, his hope, and his goal. Craig no longer lives for the praise and approval of man. He knows you can't please all of the people all of the time. He would love to please Jesus, but he knows the Lord doesn't expect him to be perfect. Craig is is quick to repent when he gets it wrong, which he does frequently, but he no longer beats himself up because he understands grace. Sure, Craig still has perfectionist tendencies. Who doesn't want to get it right? But now it's balanced. He knows he can't win every battle, satisfy every expectation, and please every person. And he sleeps well at night knowing there's always tomorrow and that God isn't relying on him to hold together the forces of the universe. In fact, Craig has learnt to embrace his flaws He's learned that the weaker he is, the more opportunity there is for God's strength to shine through. And if God does it through him, even in spite of him, then he knows that God gets the glory. Is God disappointed in him? Not a chance. He came willingly from heaven to earth to die for him. God loves him with an unconditional love and that revelation has taken away Craig's insecure need to earn it. Comfortable in his own skin, Craig has found it much easier to find his place at church, in his connect group, serving in his ministry team. He's happy to play his unique role in the body of Christ and no longer feels the need to compete with 
or compare himself to everyone else. Craig is uncrushed. You can see it in his confident shoulders. Now there's life in his eyes and hope in his heart. Much better, says uncrushed Craig. Okay. So how are we going to respond to that? I'm going to give you a couple of challenges, questions, quite a few actually. Far too many questions to give you in one go, one mouthful. As I said, this is week one and we're just setting the ball rolling and my aim is to go a little bit slower in the next few weeks and to hopefully unpeel some of these things. Because at first glance you might look and say, no, not me. But once you look deep inside, I'm, I'm sure that everyone has resonated with some of what I've said today. Everyone's a little bit squished hiding a little bit, paralyzed a little bit by that analysis, as will unfold these over the weeks. But, but today I want to give you a, just a collection of questions. And my suggestion is, as the worship team come forward in a minute, and come now for light, Phil. My hopes are that, that you'll take these to the Lord, that you'll, you'll open up your hearts and say, do you know what, God, I've been chained and I've been feared for too long. This compelling question, what could God do in me? What could God do through me if I was chainless and fearless? So I'd like you to ask yourself these questions today. Uh, they'll, They'll be on the Connect Group discussion. You can find them online if you want to hang on to them. Question number one is, to whom do you compare yourself negatively and why? It's a good question. To whom do you compare yourself negatively and why? Question number two is, what are the chains and fears that lead you to your competitiveness or your comparison, if you like? What is it deep inside of you that causes that? And then question three, these are all related, is what lies have you about yourself, what lies about yourself have you bought into? Those are the chains and fears. The the second half of this is the freedom key. Take take these to the Lord. Number one, do you know how much he loves you? Number two, do you know who you are in Christ? These are good news questions, everybody. Question number three, do you understand grace and my suggestion would be to take those questions to the Lord my, my suggestion would be to fall on your face if you like and say God would you show me God would you teach me because there is such freedom and breakthrough in this folks such freedom and breakthrough and I'm so looking forward to opening this up with you over the next few weeks what we're going to do is, is I'm going to ask Phil can, can we sing stand in your love is that okay now, I know this song was new to you, and so you can be excused for your half-hearted singing thereof. Right? My hopes are, this is going to be our anthem for this series, my hopes are by week six, you are singing this song with enormous confidence. My fears do not stand a chance. Did I get that right? When I'm standing in your love. Why? Because perfect love drives out fear. In his love, there is no fear. In his grace, there are no chains. 
And my hopes, though, by the end, you start to get this deep in your soul. And you can start to sing it with a bit of faith and a bit of confidence. Is that okay? Let's stand. I'll tell you what we're going to do as we sing. I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond to either of those in two ways. If, if you feel like crushed Craig today, then if you want to come over to this side here, into the ministry prayer area, they would love to pray some of that for you and over you today. Pray some of that freedom. I, I know sometimes people prefer to, to do their business with God and not have someone else pray for them to do that. If you come this side, then no one will pray for you. And you can pray these prayers and make these invitations and ask these questions and do your business with God. I realize this is only week one. Guys, there's breakthrough available. You can be chainless. You can be fearless. How awesome would that 